Hour of Flames Talk on a Monday, March 13th. Coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. My name is Pat Steinberg, and Flames keep their playoff hopes alive with a 5-1 win over Ottawa on Sunday night, which is exactly what they needed to do, especially knowing that the Auto- the uh, Winnipeg Jets also won, swept their two-game set through Florida, which a lot of people were wondering how they were going to do there. So they keep themselves six back of a playoff spot, and yet the thing that I'm most dialed in on right now, going all the way back to Saturday prior to the game against the Senators. Would you, would you just let them enjoy the win, Pat? I don't know. No, I won't. I'm. I, I, I like. I like the controversy. I've <laughs> been taught. I've been taught well by Eric Francis. <laughs> uh, I love. I, I. I. cannot get enough of this Jonathan Huberdo and Daryl Sutter situation, and and mainly because I just don't remember anything quite like it. I can't remember anything quite like this in I don't know the fifteen or so years I've been covering this team. Just the the whole idea of. Very important, soon-to-be franchise mark-setting contract holder in Jonathan Huberto being on such a different page, not just reading between the lines, but clearly publicly being on a different page than legendary Stanley Cup winning, soon-to-be Hall of Fame head coach. And and because I've never had to uh, or, or or been in a situation where you're trying to kind of put the pieces together and figure out exactly what this is all about. Yeah, it's, that's why I'm dialed in on it because we, we've never really seen anything like this before. So is it maybe a little TMZ? Yeah, guilty. But I, I, I can't get enough of, I don't even want to call it a war of words, but there's certainly some differing per, public perspe- perspectives from the, the two sides of this conversation. Well, and you left out an important supporting caster in, uh, in the agent. legendary tweeting agent. Alan Walsh, who likes to spice things up a little bit. And so. he has. Um, okay, so here's here's basically the Coles notes. So what was it, three or four weeks ago, the first tweet from Alan Walsh where he comes out and talks about negativity and insanity being doing the same thing over and over again and firing a uh, shot at Daryl Sutter on Twitter. And then the next day, all sides did a very, an admittedly very good job of diffusing the situation. Absolutely. I thought Huberdeau did a great job. I thought Daryl did a great job. I thought that the Flames organization handled that really, really well and kind of turned what could have been a runaway story into nothing to see here. We'll address it head on and let's move on with our lives. And then here we go again. So there's there's been some there's been some Twitter activity from Alan Walsh over the last few weeks again, outwardly suggesting that Jonathan playing on the right side is not the best place for him, and wondering why he's not playing on his natural left side. And then Saturday at practice, 
Go down there Saturday morning, and there's Jonathan Huberdo on the left side of a line with Nazem Kadri and Dylan Dubé. And they're like, oh, Huberdo back on the left. And, you know, I know Frank Saravalli's been talking about it, and he's had uh, a couple of quotable uh, moments about why right side versus left side, and there's Huberdo back on the left. So after practice, Jonathan speaks with us, and this is when I really went, Okay, hold on a second. There's, there's <laughs> something here. Listen to uh, Jonathan Huberdo. This is Saturday after practice. Yeah, really nice to be back. <laughs> I don't think, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, When you see the ice on, for like 10 plus years on the left, it's like different to get on the right. So, yeah, I was happy. And obviously, you know, Dube's a, Dube's a great shooter. So try to find him. And, you know, we got to get, the, we gotta get more, some more offensive touches and some chances so that's what we're going to do but yeah obviously yeah, I'm happy to be back on the left have you been asking to be back on the left no I didn't I mean you probably saw it at some point <laughs> yeah. but uh, no it's just like you know to, to be uh, I always play left wing so I mean that just makes sense how do you, how do you see the game differently when you're on the right like, what are the differences I mean uh, I like to open up my hips and stuff like that so I can see the ice way more than when I'm on my back I feel like close my shoulder and I can't see the ice as much and I'm not big of a shooter so I think when you play right wing when you're a shooter it's easier you know to get some one-timer pass and stuff like that but for me it's not really my type of game so hopefully that that's going to help my my game and you know I just want to help the team too to win some games so that was Jonathan Huberto Saturday after practice and I, not the most subtle I didn't feel like it felt very much like yeah, I kind of feel like this is where I should have been the entire time. And he even went out and said, yeah, it just makes sense that me, that I'm, I'm on the left side. So that, that was the first time that I was like, okay, hold on a second here. There's, there's something to this whole thing. Yeah. He, you know, here's what we've learned or, or what I've learned about Jonathan Huberto in the past several months. He is extremely honest. He's very candid. He's a great guy to chat with. I, I, I enjoy, you know, whether Agreed. it's just shooting the breeze or, or asking him about the game, you know, he's accountable. He kind of goes out of his way to remind you that he's not putting up the offensive numbers that he would expect out of himself and that he knows were expected out of him in this market. But he is honest. If you ask him a question, you're going to find out exactly where he stands on it. And I had the exact same reaction to you. I was not in that media scrum, but when I heard it, he could not have been more blunt about the fact that yeah not only did i want to be back on this side i'm kind of surprised it took this long yeah well so so you come away from that say all right chapter that's two. interesting and then there's kind of two chapters on sunday so before the game this was head coach daryl sutter when asked about putting jonathan huberdo back on the left side production right you know in that bottom line is naz and johnny play together right so when they when they if you just do it uh, you know, obviously everybody just looks at goals, assists, and points. But when you do it, when those guys get you a goal or assist or a point, we have a good record. When they don't, we don't. So I don't think it makes much difference what position he plays. It's more, the, you know, the whole game for him. So that was uh, that was Daryl pregame, which I thought was 
somewhat subtle, a little reading between the lines or whatever you, uh, however you want to say it. And then Jonathan goes out, gets a goal and an assist in the 5-1 win over Ottawa that night. And an intrepid post-media reporter just asked, like, hey, you talked about Jonathan Huberdeau and Nazem Kadri before the game. They combine on that big 3-1 goal to kill any potential momentum the Senators might get. Just what did you see on that situation? And this was not so subtle. Johnny came in on the right side and buried it. Remember Joe McGinley used to play right wing? He scored most of his goals over there. So it's not necessarily what wing you play. So now now there is and no there's no more subtleties in this situation. He could not hide the smile on that answer. That was you know you know the big grin that sets up a Daryl yep. Sutter one liner? Yep. We saw it. By the way, the intrepid reporter who asked the question was Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. How, so how do we interpret this situation? Well, there's some friction there. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, and I think it's been it's been a rocky start to this relationship. Yeah, you know, I I understand sort of where both sides are coming from. I I understand why Jonathan Huberto's wondering as his point totals sag why he's been playing the right side. You know, I, I I understand why he might be questioning some of the structure that the coach is insistent on when it has so clearly sucked a lot of the offense, he feels like, out of his own game. Yep. So I get that part. And I get why this is exactly how Daryl Sutter, being as old school as he can be, this is exactly how you don't deal with things in his book. You don't deal with things with your agent firing shots on Twitter. Not not in Daryl's world. You just sort of don't complain about where you've been playing or or who you've been playing with. You know, earlier in the season, part of the storyline with, with Jonathan Huberdeau was he'd never played with two right-handed shots before. Right. That That was part of the adjustment to playing with Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli when when they were together. And, and then it sort of morphed into, well, you know, he's not used to playing on the right side. And I don't think when Jonathan Huberto brings some of this stuff up, I don't think he's making excuses. I, I genuinely don't think that is the point of it, but I wonder if that's what Daryl Sutter hears. You know, just before he gave that answer yesterday morning where he talked about the record and, and and we've all looked it up since, you know, the record when Huberdeau and Kadri produce is a lot different than when they don't. But just before that, he talked about Dylan Dubé and what a consummate team guy he is because he can play all three forward positions. Right. You know, if you, if you want to start reading between the lines on, on this relationship, then there's a lot of material you could write a book on. Now, I, I don't think it's an, I don't think we're talking about a longstanding problem here. It just hasn't been a great fit so far, I don't think. No, and, and the way that I would phrase it, so how I interpret it is just another chapter in, in what has been, I like the way you phrased it, kind of a, a rocky road. It's It's been, there have been more, I think, growing pains or a more difficult adjustment for Jonathan with this coach than I think any of us expected. And, or or that 
perhaps we gave credit for coming into the season. You know, I think there's a lot that's gone into the Jonathan Huberdeau situation, but yeah, I think that there have been multiple instances this year where they have not, that the approaches have not kind of met on the same plane and they have not seen eye to eye. I, I think that there have been numerous oil and water type situations this year, whether it be the the comment he made early in the season about where Jonathan was in the third period of a game. Right. We know that didn't go over very well. Nor should it have, because that's an opportunity, and, and sorry to interrupt you, but he had an opportunity there to take some pressure off a guy who was who was under a lot of heat. You know, he, he was obviously new to this market. Big off-season trade acquisition. Yep. We all know how that blockbuster went down. Signed to the richest contract extension in Flames franchise history. On and on and on. And he's he's struggling out of the gates. And he's playing through an injury. And that was an opportunity for the coach to take some heat off him. And Daryl Sutter passed on that opportunity. I I wouldn't be too, you know, I, I wouldn't have my shorts in a knot about what Daryl Sutter said last night necessarily about he went down the right wing and he buried it. What happened in the October? November, yeah, it might have yeah. been early November with the, I think he was taking a you-know-what. Yeah. That Jonathan Huberdeau had every right to be frustrated about. So, yeah, and, and that that was the first time they were like, wait a second, this this is an interesting interesting start to a brand new relationship. And then you have the Alan Walsh situation and that that both sides came out and met head on and and talked about and now you've got this and and so there are three public instances of very clearly the highest soon to be highest paid player in franchise history and this kind of institution head coach not being on the same page and and I do I'm with you I don't think that this is a irreconcilable or, or irrevocable situation, but is irreconcilable even a word? Um, but I, I don't think that this is a situation that cannot be fixed. I don't think this is a, a long-term problem, and one of them's got to go by by the end of March. Or, like, I, I don't think we're at that at that point, but I do think it's something that needs to be figured out, and I do think it's something that they got to get on top of, and by that I mean the two sides you got to get on top of, and, and whether that is sitting down in a room, whether that is an off-season, what, whatever the case may be, I think it needs to happen because neither of these guys look like they're going anywhere. Daryl Sutter's here for two more years on an extension at least. Jonathan Huberdeau's here for eight more years on an extension at least. So you've got a situation where you've got to get this figured out for the good of the team. You've got to get this situation figured out for the good of both of the individuals or both of the parties involved because – I do think it's important, and I, I, if I were to say this to Daryl Sutter, he might run me over in a tractor, but I do believe that it is important. <laughs> I'm just visualizing this right now, and it's incredible. It would be kind of like, you know, in the first Austin Powers when the guy gets run over by the, the, the <laughs> paver? And that's kind of what it would be like, because <laughs> I just wouldn't get out of the way. I just think it's important to, for lack of a better term, make your $84 million player happy. Whether whether that is the way that Daryl Sutter believes it should be done, whether that is the way a business in 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 Northeast Calgary or downtown Calgary or Southwest Calgary would go about their business, maybe not. 
but you just committed $84 million and $10.5 million and eighth of your salary cap, you just committed to one human being. And I think it behooves you as an organization to do everything in your power to make sure you get the most out of that investment and thus give him the best possible chance to succeed. So I do think there is something too. If, if Jonathan feels like the left side is where he should be, then you should probably play him on the left side. And, and, you know, I don't even think it was a poor experiment to try him on the right. It worked with Matthew Kachuk. They're short on natural right wingers. They've got a lot of guys already playing on the right side on their off wing because they just don't have a lot of natural right shots. And their best natural right shots play in center in, in Elias Lindholm. You've got Toffoli, who's really the only other natural right winger on the team, and maybe Walker Dewar. The, the rest of them are all left shots who are playing their offside. So I get the I get the experiment, but if experiment doesn't work and player says, yeah, left side is the the way or, where I think I should be, then I, I think it's worthy to go down that road. But I don't think that the responsibility lies all on Daryl Sutter to try to get to a better place. I think both sides at some point, and maybe it doesn't happen in the next 15 games, or maybe it doesn't happen before whenever this season comes to an end. But before they drop the puck next season, I think there's two sides here that got to, even if they don't get themselves on the same page, they got to get themselves to a point where they're comfortable being on different pages. And you can accept that maybe there are going to be things that piss you off with the player, or maybe there's going to be things that piss you off with your coach, but be able to overcome it and still be a good hockey player and still be the best coach you can be. That, that's that's what is going to have to happen here because I don't think either side's going anywhere. Well, and after the most you know, famous, for lack of a better word, the most attention-grabbing of, of Alan Walsh's Jonathan Huberto tweets, which was, you know, the one you mentioned, the definition of insanity yep. and, and questioning whether there was any joy in the locker room in Calgary, you know, if, if the Flames were sucking the joy out of the game for, for the guys on the roster here. After that, the next day, one of the comments that Jonathan Huberto made was, yeah, you're not always going to like the coach's decision. And... That's, again, just honesty. You're going to have young guys in the league who will never say, and, and old guys in the league, you're going to have guys who will never say one bad word about their coach. They'll yep. never publicly question whatever's being done. And I don't have a problem with the pushback from Jonathan Huberto here, but but I agree with what you're saying. Like, the, there needs to be they need to get on the same page. And, and quite frankly, one thing that's going to help it is, is Jonathan Huberto's production seeing an uptick. We all wondered, and, and it wasn't an entire season, but we go back to March of two years ago. If we were sitting in this studio two years ago, we would have been talking about the relationship between Johnny Gaudreau and, and Daryl Sutter. Sutter. Well, wasn't it And whether it could work. Wasn't it an intrepid reporter from Post Media <laughs> who asked a question over Zoom yeah. uh, ahead of a empty arena game between the Flames and a Canadian team. Uh, I don't remember who the hell it was. I try to forget everything about that season. But it was you who asked Daryl Sutter, what was it, Johnny's 500th NHL game? Yeah. And you asked him, hey, Daryl, like what, what, just a, a word on Johnny's 500th game. And to paraphrase, and I think I'm going to nail it, he said, I hope he has a whole lot more energy than he had in his 499th yeah. game. And we're like, holy F, did he just, and that was all he said. And all I, of a sudden, that quote blew up on Twitter. I was just about to drive home from Invermere. And the Flames played that night. I didn't have to be at morning skate. And so I said, hey, just hang on. We'll leave in five minutes. I just got to jump on 
this Zoom <laughs> and get a quote about Johnny's 500th game. And you got it. And I, I'm surprised. Like the notifications I had on my phone when I finished Highway 93, it's you know 65 minutes without cell coverage. Like the way that blew up, and as it should have. Yeah. You know, he took his shot. He got his message across. And this is this is what Daryl Sutter does. He delivers messages, not not in a sugar coated way ever. And even Johnny, I think post game was like, "Yeah, I heard it. Yeah. I didn't necessarily love it." Yeah. yeah. So if last night's to fast forward and you know get off my Highway ninety three stories, if last night's message was, "I'm sick of hearing about the fact that you want to play left wing," I don't think last night was as big a concern as some of the other. I I hate even calling them incidents because it sounds so salacious, but I don't think the last night public examples yeah i don't think last night was the most concerning example and yet when you add it to the pile and you started the show by by saying well we don't see this we haven't seen this covering the flames this is not how things have been done especially in in recent years in the nhl and so it does stick out because we don't see that sort of public Budding of heads. We didn't see Yusuf Alamaki come out and say, I don't know what this guy's on about. He just sort of listened to it, heard it, on he marched. Yep. Right? You know, when guys get healthy scratched, you know, even yesterday, Adam Ruzicka was careful in what he was. Here's a really frustrated player who's been healthy scratched now for 10 in a row, but he, he wasn't going to take shots at. The coach. And I'm not sure that Jonathan Huberto was necessarily taking shots. This is just a guy Very honest, who's as you played said. a ton of games, who's put up a ton of points, who is a star player in the league, who feels like he has the reign to be honest, and, and I think absolutely he does. Well, and I mean, he also knows that there ain't anybody taking back that $84 million before taxes. But there's still nobody taking back that no. 84 mil. He knows that it's He knows that he is the guy. And as much as contracts don't determine everything in this day and age they still determine a lot and when you are the highest paid player on a team and haven't even started the contract you carry a bit pretty big hammer yeah and and so i think there's a little bit of that going on here too and and i'm not even trying to like i'm not even suggesting well you need to take sides but i do think there is maybe more to the conversation of and I don't know if this is possible. Daryl Sutter has coached four NHL te- five NHL teams, Chicago, San Jose, Calgary, LA, Calgary. So five, five NHL head coaching stints. He's been to multiple cup finals. He's won multiple Stanley Cups. He will be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if Daryl Sutter has any interest in adap- adapting or adjusting his style in this day and age. I, I, I don't know. But with a guy who still has eight years left and who's getting 10.5 mil starting next season... I do think there's something to catering to that player. And I know that that would piss off a lot of old school people. I get it. You, I, I, don't even, I don't even agree with it in principle necessarily, but I also understand that contracts matter. And especially in a world or a league where everything or almost everything is dictated by what you're paid in this day and age. It may not, I'm trying to think of the word, Dave Dickinson 
fleshed it out beautifully about the, the head coach and the head coach of the Stampeders about five or six years ago was on with us and he said, what I've learned as a head coach is that I always am fair, but I don't treat people equally because you can't. One guy's going to get way more leash than another guy. Yeah. And I've learned that people aren't equal in pro sports. Like in, in that you're going to give one person a whole lot more leeway and you're going to give another person next to none because one person has earned and in his eyes and one person hasn't. And the sooner that you get on board with that, the better is basically the way that he phrased it. And so I do think there's something too, like, yeah, you, you have to, you treat people differently based on the contracts they're paid. You treat people differently based on the role that you're asking them to play. And so I'm just really curious how Daryl Sutter adjusts. He moved the guy back to the left side and the guy went out and had two points against Ottawa on Sunday night. I'm just, there's a fascinating story to watch going forward. Yeah. And I mean, this is a, a maybe story for another segment, but he was not really coming down the right wing when he scored that goal. He was not. He may have been. I think it was, I was pretty well up the middle. I think uh, he was on his backhand, and and I believe he was on. I think Julian McKenzie put it perfectly from the Athletic. He was on Nazem Kadri's right, just based on where they were. Absolutely on the was. Yeah, absolutely was. I and I think part of it is I, I'm sure this is part of Daryl Sutter's game plan, so to speak. Like. Think back, and obviously Johnny Gaudreau had a historic season for the Calgary Flames last year, 115 points, just an absolute pile of them at even strength. Eight, You know, go on, go on, go on. Daryl Sutter could not say enough good things throughout the season about Johnny Gaudreau, one of the best 200-foot, I'm sorry, players in the league, etc. Part of that, you'll never convince me otherwise, had to do with the fact that Johnny Gaudreau was going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Yep. If Jonathan Huberto hadn't signed a contract extension, I'm not sure we'd be hearing some of this same harsh criticism or, or some of these same zingers that we're hearing now. Yeah, Daryl Sutter knows that to have success at the Saddledome, he needs more out of Jonathan Huberto production-wise. This guy's not going anywhere, and he's on pace for 54 points this season, and that's one of many reasons that the Calgary Flames are trending towards missing the playoffs. That lack of production has hurt this team, has cost this team victories this year. You're going to need more than 54 out of them next year, and and I believe that this is part of Daryl Sutter trying to figure out how to get more out of them. I'm not defending the coach there because I'm not sure he's going about it the right way, but I don't think this is, you know, I'm going to run this guy out of town. This is trying to figure out how to get more production out of Jonathan yep. Huberdeau. Read you a few texts at 960-960. This says, uh, one player who finally said something was Shillington at the end of the 21 shortened season questioning on the radio why he wasn't getting games that year. It's fascinating to see a player with so much security and stature, and I wonder where it goes. Hopefully they figure it out. That comes from Jim. I remember vividly uh, Oliver saying that to us on the radio late uh, that 56-game season and said, "I, I don't know why I haven't been playing. I don't get it but I'm just trying to uh, do the best I can. Funny enough, the following year, he had a breakout season, and, and I know that there's been some other stuff that's happened since the end of last season, but yeah, I remember that vividly. 
Um, this says from Heath, I'm an old school guy for the most part when it comes to the game, but I do agree with your take about making players happy or more appropriately putting them in the right position to succeed, especially from a business perspective. Players come and go over coaches way more often. This says, Pat, is it catering or is it putting someone in the best position to succeed? And I think that there is, I I think they kind of go hand in hand with one another. Yeah, you would be catering to said player's wishes, I guess. But yeah, you'd also be attempting to put that player in the best position to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the reasons I, I think, and I don't know this, I haven't had a chance to ask him, but I think one of the reasons, you know, when he was asked on Saturday, Jonathan Huberto, this is, about whether he'd mentioned to the coach and he said he hadn't. I think one of the reasons is by all accounts, he really liked playing with Jacob Pelche. Yeah. And the reason Jacob Pelche was on the left side is that they didn't want to overload a guy who's still getting his feet wet in the NHL by then asking him to swap yep. to the off wing. Um few and I think there's I think there's something to that as well. Uh, this says old school Daryl added again. Take a look at Huberto's goal last night, and his version is as thick as the BS on his boots. Just like his explanation for starting Vladar in Game Two versus the Oilers this year. If it costs ten million to send him back to the ranch early, uh, keep him behind the bench, and it'll get much worse next season. This says, as Friedman says, Walsh doesn't send those tweets without his clients knowing and okaying. Um, this says, um, if Jonathan goes out to Daryl's farm and picks rocks up before seeding and hauls bales in the summer, everything will cool down between them. That's a good point. And Jonathan's pretty jacked human being. Like he, 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 he do all right on the farm. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to love the pay up there. No, probably not. Uh, he may not enjoy that as much. And the, the Lamborghini doesn't necessarily, uh, work so <laughs> Could well be tough on the, on the driveway. Uh, this says, whatever you think about who's at fault, the ineffectiveness of the Sutter Huberto relationship isn't going to sell other star players on coming here. That's for sure. And a legitimate concern. That's from Stephen Haysborough. Um, this says, while I'm critical of how Sutter's hard-nosed approach has driven young players like Yuso and Connor Mackey away to other organizations, Jonathan Huberto's an older veteran and should fight his own battles rather than have his agent shooting off his mouth on Twitter. It's not like he performed well before switching to his offside anyways. One person is at Stanley Cup rings the show while the other one doesn't. Perhaps the latter has something to learn from the coach. Uh, and finally, Matt and Cochran says it feels more and more to me that Johnny and Matthew had excellent seasons despite Sutter's coaching than because of it lose their scoring and the rest of the team has been mediocre. Even the defensive side is lacking lots of stuff on the text line at 960, Can't get to all of it. Although I will say the one person who says typical news outlet, making a mountain out of a molehill is incorrect. It's just a big story. It is the text lines blown up on it and has been blown up or Twitter has been blown up since Jonathan made those comments on Saturday. It ain't us making a mountain out of a molehill. I can tell you that much definitively. I mean, you are listening to sports radio. I mean, we do do that. I won't lie. We're we're talking about one of the major issues facing the local team. We tend to talk on Flames Talk about issues surrounding the Flames. Yeah. And when the Flames talk, Flames Talk talks about the Flames. Okay, you know what? We're uh, coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement <laughs> Systems downtown studio. They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. 
Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. All right, this Monday edition of Flamestock and this Monday hour of Flamestock rolls on. It's time for our daily Flames roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, minutes from the Calgary airport. My name is Pat Steinberg. He's Post Media's Wes Gilbertson, now the voice of the Flames. Daryl, uh, no, not Daryl Sutter. He is a voice of the Flames. But uh, the uh, play-by-play voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames roundtable. Derek, the, we may have mentioned Daryl Sutter's name a few times earlier this hour, so you can forgive me my transgression. Um, gents, let's, uh, I, I want to start by talking a little bit about Jacob Markstrom on our Daily Flames roundtable because we don't know if the Flames are going to make the playoffs. The math remains rather daunting for him. But regardless if they make the playoffs or not, and with the run that Jacob's been on right now in his last six starts and seven appearances, I'm just curious, like, how important is it, playoffs or not, that in the final quarter of the season, Jacob proves to us or to his teammates or maybe most importantly to himself that he is back and back to the level that we all expect him to be at? Yeah, it, uh, well, it's, it's very important, I think, you know, and I, I finished writing something earlier today in which I, I said that, listen, the, the odds are long that the Calgary Flames are going to make the playoffs this year. We all know that five, five out of the last wild card. Math doesn't look great with games in hand, especially, you know, with the team that you're closest to chasing, Winnipeg Jets sweep Florida, et cetera, et cetera. Jacob Markstrom is the biggest reason for belief right now. The way he's been playing in the past couple of weeks, this looks like the Jacob Markstrom who was a Vesna Trophy finalist last season. Now, you know, was it, as I put it recently, too leaky until too late? It, it might prove to be that for the Calgary Flames. You know, goaltending might be one of the things we're talking about on the list of what went wrong if this team fails to earn a invite to the postseason. But what we've seen out of Jacob Markstrom in the last couple of weeks is the biggest reason for belief. And and I know that's not answering your question because you were asking even beyond this season. Yeah. I think it's important right now. And I think beyond this season, it's probably most important for Jacob Markstrom. He's not going to go into summer happy knowing that he played a quarter of a really strong season. And yet it's at least a head start. It looks like he's figured some things out in this past couple of weeks. The confidence is just obvious right now. I mean, that glove save he made last night on Alex Brinkett was yep. absolutely mind-blowing. And so, yeah, it, it's good long-term, but as the Calgary Flames focus on the here and now of, of trying to climb back into the playoff picture, this is the biggest reason to believe they might be able to pull it off. I think it's really important, uh, first and foremost, for him. He's a pretty confident guy, but... This season had to wear on him in a number of different ways, physically, mentally, uh, emotionally. And I do think that uh, there at times appeared to be a lack of confidence there. 
Uh, giving up uh, a goal on the first shot you face seven times, uh, that's, that's tough. And I think he was wearing that. You could see a lack of confidence in his body language on the ice. He's a big goaltender who, for a good chunk of the season, I thought looked small. It looked like he was attacking the puck and attacking the game instead of just letting the puck and the game come to him, which he's been doing ever since he took over uh, to start the second period of that Bruins game in relief of Dan Vladar. And he's played his best hockey of the season since then. And I think it's important for everybody involved. I think it's important for his teammates because I do think at times that uh, there's probably been a lack of belief in the goaltending as a whole with this team, probably more so in the second half of the season than in the first half. I think it's important for the coaches and for the managers and also for the fan base because goalies in this city get a rough ride uh, unless they're really, really good. Obviously, it was tough to, to give Jacob Markstrom a hard time last season. He was phenomenal for 63 regular season games and for seven postseason games. But think about how last season ended for him. Nobody remembered how good he was during the regular season or even in that first round series versus the Stars when sure, he got overshadowed by Jake Ottinger, who was playing out of this world. And you could argue, and I've, I've heard other people say this, that's the best goaltending they've seen in decades in the league, which might be a stretch, but I think it speaks volumes. But he was really, really good in that series. And then those five games against the Oilers. I know he wins game one, but gives up six. And games two, three, four, and five obviously didn't go his way or the team's way. And that's how he went into the offseason. So I think going into the offseason on a high note, and for Jacob Markstrom, I think he'd be the first to tell you that would be uh, at least with a playoff appearance, uh, because that's what matters most to him is wins and losses and team success. But if that doesn't happen, I do think that uh, there is something to take out of having some individual success. In my opinion, he's been hands down their best player since that Bruins game a couple of weeks ago. And he's the reason the Flames are hanging around in the fight for a playoff spot in the Western Conference. And right now, he just looks so quiet in his crease. He looks so confident. He's making hard saves look easy. And guys, for a good chunk of the season, I thought he was making some easy saves look pretty hard. So there's been a real turnaround with Jacob Markstrom. And I don't think there's a, a coincidence that uh, the team's playing better hockey as well. They're confident in him. He's confident in him. And uh, they look like a different hockey team when they're getting average or above average goaltending. Yeah, I mean, if if they're going to pull off the miracle and make the playoffs, it's going to have to be on his shoulders. And I think that he, at the very least, is playing at that level that if they were to pull off that miracle, he, he's at that level. It's still mm -hmm. it's still a, a long shot, but hey, I think we'd all the story that it would be if it would happen about the player and about the team would be awesome if, if that were to play out. Uh, and so, you know what? Sure. It would be it would be really neat to see. I'm not necessarily anticipating it, but I'm I'm happy to be pleasantly surprised. But when I look big picture, guys, if he can finish with however many starts he gets between now and the end of the season. So if he finishes on a 21 game starting streak, which he would if he went to the next 15, or if he starts 18 of the final 21, or whatever it ends up looking like. If his body of work resembles the Jacob Markstrom that we saw from him for the better part of his first two seasons, I think just for him, as much as he'll be frustrated about not playing in the playoffs, the internal confidence for that guy going into an offseason knowing that his game ain't gone and he hasn't forgotten how to play the position and we're not talking about a guy who has lost it, 
I think I think that will work wonders and go miles going into next season's training camp. And that's what I'm most concerned about or most worried about is just hit the ground running in September and October. And the way he's playing right now, if he can finish at, at or around that same level, I think he'll give himself an opportunity to do just that. Yeah, and if, and it's a big if at this point in time, they're tied with the Predators who have three games in hand and they're six points uh, behind the Jets. Uh, I know that right now the Jets are third in the Central and the Avalanche have fallen into the second wildcard spot, but uh, I don't think that's how it's going to end. So I think the Flames have to catch the Jets and they've got one head-to-head game left. So if the Flames can pull off a minor miracle and get into the playoffs... If Jacob Markstrom continues to play the way that he's been playing, and I can't see them getting in if he doesn't, then he's going to be playing his best hockey going into the postseason. And I brought up Jake Ottinger earlier. And when you think about that seven-game series between the Flames and the Stars, I think you guys would agree. The one and only reason why that series got to Game 7 and got to overtime in Game 7 is because of Jake Ottinger which goes to show you what a hot goaltender can do for you and where a hot goaltender can take you. So if Markstrom keeps playing this way and leads the Flames to the playoffs, I think they could do some damage because uh, he's proven over time that he can play at an elite level and he's playing at pretty close to one right now. You know there's somebody out there thinking right now that he had to have that save on Backlund last night. (laughs) Absolutely. There's one person (laughs) on Twitter that even after his shutout, Ah, lucky shutout. This is garbage. Like, stole them too. I'm like, okay. Do you do you have the ability to to change your opinion at all? Like, he's well, just look at the text line, guys. I'm sure there's a few on there. Uh, not. You know what? Not yet. I think uh, no. The te- not yet. Maybe well, Bravo will, text line. Maybe you will invite it. But yeah, and, <laughs> and as it should be, because he is. You mentioned Willsey. It is important for the fan base among other groups. You know, it's important in the locker room. It, important for Jacob himself it's important for management as they game plan for what next season's going to look like like he's inspiring confidence right now yeah yeah he absolutely is with his play and and I know this isn't really part of the discussion but I want to bring it up because I just thought it was so cool I don't know if you saw the little kid in the crowd last night with the sign saying Markstrom I got my first shutout today yeah I did and so the Flames picked him to present one of the three stars last night. Yeah, so here, here's this young guy who who's just wow. had his first shutout in minor hockey, gets to meet Jacob after, gets one of those Flames chains that I'm way too old to be wearing. Just a really cool moment that I, I think we should spotlight as well because that, uh, that was one of the warm and fuzzy ones. I think you'd look fly with that chain on myself. That's what I'm worried about. Uh, fair. Uh, Derek Wills, West Gil- Fly West Gilbert, uh, Maestro Fresh West Gilbertson, and uh, <laughs> Pat Steinberg along with you on your uh, Daily Flames roundtable. Okay, don't have to spend a ton of time on this one, but I just, I- I'm curious as to where we all are. Guys, is this Michael Backlund's best NHL season? He turns 34 on St. Patrick's Day. I think it is, but that could be recency bias. I asked him about it because uh, I thought that would probably be the best path to go down. And this was a couple of weeks ago when I chatted with him, but he told me it was between this season and 2016-2017. And ironically, he had a career-high 53 points in that 16-17 season, and right now he's on pace to equal that career-high with 53 points this season. Now, he did have 22 goals, if I'm not mistaken, back in 16-17. I think he's on pace for 18 or 19 this season, but... 
Uh, if you take a look at another stat, which I think uh, is something that you should uh, look at, but also take with a grain of salt, he was, I believe, plus seven in 16-17, and he's a team best plus 17 this season. Might have been plus eight, plus nine back then, but what I'm trying to say is that uh, he's been great without the puck, and he's been really good with the puck. And I would say he's been their most consistent skater. Uh, and mm-hmm. as an extension of that, their most consistent player so far this season. And, and the other thing that was a takeaway for me coming out of yesterday's 5-1 victory over the Senators, guys, uh, the comments coming out of the dressing room about him being the leader. And it wasn't, hey, he's one of our leaders. We knew that. He is the leader. And, you know, we had the captain conversation a few weeks back. And, you know, I, I was really unsure what direction the Flames should go in as far as the C is concerned at the start of the season. But, you know, a few weeks ago, I threw it out there in our postgame show that I thought Michael Backlund uh, had earned the C. Uh, third most games played in the history of the franchise, longest tenured player on the team, and a guy who's been a leader on the ice and off the ice for a long, long time. So, uh, I think uh, he's playing his best hockey right now. For him, it's between 16-17 and 22-23. And uh, I think he deserves a lot of credit because for a team that has been consistently inconsistent this season, he has been uh, the most consistent player on that team. So uh, a job well done by number 11. I just want to add one uh, thing to your comparison to 2016-17, and that's face-off percentage because I, I think that's another really key area yep. that we've seen Michael Backlund evolve or, or improve at. I think 16, 17, he was sub 50. I'm looking now is 48.1%, 51.6 right now this season. He's a guy that they absolutely lean on for those key face-offs. We saw the job he did defensively against Austin Matthews. We heard last night, Daryl Sutter talk about the the heavy lifting he does matchup wise. And, and, yep. You know, those two assists last night were absolutely incredible passes. I mean, the one to tee up Rasmus Anderson for the shorty was great. And then, you know, just where I happened to sit in the press box, you could you could see him wait for that cross seam pass to Lindholm open up. You you could see him wait for the defenseman to get drawn out of that lane. And that set up for his second assist was just an absolute beauty. It's so. funny. He, uh, he, he talked to me in the first intermission uh, of, and, and I asked him about the two goals. He said, yeah, I knew Lindholm was moving there. I could see Lindholm moving to the back door. So I was waiting for that seam to open up. And then as soon as it opened up, I put it right to him. So you saw it exactly as he saw it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm always, I, I try to be, really cautious about the this is the best I've seen this guy or you know this is the best this guy's played I I I try to steer away from it just because I I don't want to sound like I'm blowing it out of proportion this is the best I've seen Michael Backlund play and the level that he has maintained for the past several months you know obviously last word goes to him if he thinks it could have been 16 17 then possibly it was but this to me is is the best version of michael backland we've seen no he gets no say in it and uh i think this is <laughs> the jury's um, spoken the, i and really if there is a foreman of the michael backland jury i think you're talking to him right here uh so i pat has spoken no i uh i do think this is uh the best that i've seen him and then 
I'll, I'll make it really quick because we got to roll. But there's two things because as because because Wilsey, what you rolled out there, uh, I think is bang on, and and I'm with you, Wes. Like this, this is the best we've seen him, and here's two reasons why. First of all, he's going to or he's on pace to be right at around or perhaps ahead of his career-high pace of 53 points in one year. That's one. But here's the most important thing for me. I've never seen opposing teams try to get their matchups away from Backlund's line more than they have this year. Coaches have fallen all over themselves to get their best lines away from Michael Backlund, both on the road at the Dome or when they've got last change at home. And that, to me, is an indicator of, I don't want my guys against this guy because they'll probably lose the matchup. And to Mm -hmm. me, that is... Is the number one indicator that dude's playing at the highest level he's ever played at, and he's got a damn good line as well. I, I'm not sure if you can hear me nodding on the radio right now, but that is a very good point. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I could feel you nodding on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm good. still trying to wrap my head around Pat's uh, Maestro Fresh West Gilbertson line. Yeah, not bad, th- hey? This is not a, bad. This has been a yeah, big... we just let that fly right by West. We didn't even comment on it, and the whole time I was thinking... That's pretty good. Well, you know, he just let his backbone slide. slide, You you know know what, Wilsey? This is my Stanley (laughs) Cup, but I'm trying to play it cool right now. (laughs) I think that's probably good to good place to wrap up. Thank you, Wilsey. Okay, bye, Fresh Prince Pat. (laughs) That's real fresh, Wes Gilbertson. Bye, bye, buddy. See you, buddy. Uh, there you go. That is your uh, Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary airport. Just quickly on the uh, text line at 96960. Uh, this says, uh, when DJ Powerplay says you look fly, you know you're on the right track. See, there you go, Wes. You know you're on the right track. Um, quickly before we wrap up this hour, uh, time for your flames talk, best bets, which by the way, went seven and four last week Impressive. on a five week heater. Uh, they're brought to you by bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at bodog.net hashtag make a play free play only 18 plus play responsibly. I've got two best bets on your Monday. I've got John Tavares over three and a half shots for Toronto when they take on Buffalo. And I've got Nathan McKinnon over four and a half shots on the road in Montreal. So uh, see if we can get off to a good start. Tavares over three and a half shots. McKinnon over four and a half shots. See if we can uh, make it six straight weeks in the black. There you go. Those are your Flames Talk best bets. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.